What's up, guys, and welcome to Roots of Humanity. My name is Drew Binsky. I am a world traveler, content creator, and entrepreneur who has visited all 197 countries in the world. Every week, I sit down and have a conversation with an inspiring person about their cultural identity. It's a great way to celebrate the beauty and diversity that our planet has to offer. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get straight into it. In episode 21 of Roots of Humanity, I talked to my friend Bram from the Netherlands about Dutch culture. Why is the Netherlands one of the best all-around countries? Have you ever wondered why biking is so popular here? I think it has to do with the population density and everything is so flat that it's just the easiest way to get around. Bram and I talk about Amsterdam, Tilburg, Utrecht and Barley, a crazy patchwork of Belgian and Dutch enclaves in the southern part of the Netherlands. Tune in to learn about Dutch influence around the world, why intergenerational trauma from World War II is so important to Dutch identity, and why Holland and the Netherlands are not the same thing. And with that all being said, let's dive right into it. Bram, what's going on, man? Good to see you again. Yeah, it's been great. How have you been? Yeah, it's, it's been good, man. I'm, I'm having withdrawals from visiting Netherlands. It's just an amazing place. And, you know, we were just there together. Uh, we, we filmed some fun videos. And I always tell people that Netherlands is like one of the best countries in the world, really, uh, all around countries. And um, I'm excited to dive deep into Dutch culture and, and all that fun stuff with you. Yeah, great. I can't wait to tell you about it. Are you in your house right now? Yes, I am. The beautiful house in the Dutch southern countryside. The one that you let me sleep in? Yes, even. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. You saw that world yeah, map no right, right on the wall? Yeah, there it is. See, you pointed out where it should go next. The one that I blessed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got your blessing. Man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, Netherlands. I don't know where to start, man. Um, my first time going there was 2012. I went to Amsterdam and loved it and i've been at least 10 times be somewhere between 10 and 15 times and i really enjoyed my last trip because i got to visit the south southeastern regions which i haven't really been before i went to mm -hmm. eindhoven briefly once but and eindhoven isn't wasn't that great but going into tilburg and breda and utrecht if i said it right yeah yeah how utrecht. You say it? utrecht utrecht um <laughs> I, was was just absolutely amazing and um the countryside, yeah, it's, I think it's beautiful. It's a totally different vibe than big city Amsterdam. Amsterdam should be its mm -hmm. own country, actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When I go to Amsterdam, I really feel like a foreigner. The first few times, I think literally the first time when I went as a kid, I was so scared to go there the first time. My mother told me, oh, you should be so careful. And it was just scary to be there. And even when I go there now, I have to speak English all the time. I can't speak Dutch anywhere. Everyone speaks <laughs> English. It's just a whole other world, definitely. And Utrecht, for example, is in types of architecture, it's kind of similar, but then without all the tourists, all the hassle, all the, yeah, you know, just, it feels so foreign to me, Amsterdam. Yeah, Utrecht, I, I would just want to say right off the bat, it's my favorite city in Netherlands, top, top 10 in Europe. It is exactly like Amsterdam, but with, I've been talking about with the canals, with the, with the way yeah. the buildings look, with the plazas and all these like beautiful little shops. But I mean, I saw very, very, very few tourists, which is really mm -hmm. exciting. It's still kind of a hidden gem. It's a university town. So there's a lot of, a lot of young kids there. And, uh, I highly recommend checking it out. It's, what is it like 45 minutes from Amsterdam by train? Oh, less. I think probably under half an hour. It's got direct trains and it's, it's really easy to get to definitely. 
Can we talk about this bike parking lot for, for a second? I know about it. I can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll explain it first. So in Utrecht, it, there's an amazing, it's the biggest in the world parking lot for bikes. It's like four or five levels. You like ride the bike in, go around the corner, park it, uh, stack them on top of each other, pay the, pay the price. And it's, it's, it literally functions as like an airport parking lot. Like I have here in Arizona, I just drove my car there. You, you circle around and you park the car, but it's all bicycles and it's so cool and it's so Dutch. Why do Dutch people ride bikes so much? Well, I think it has to do with the population density mainly and the matter that we are just very flat. So every city is very small in size, but still has a lot of people in it. And everything is so flat that it's just the easiest way to get around and all the streets are a bit narrow so the bike is just the easiest way and there's so many so this parking or this bike parking lot or whatever you want to call it indeed it's a good example i think it's just a very surreal place to be in i was just cycling around it early last week and i think i almost got lost i just lost the whole exit i didn't know where to go anymore <laughs> but i think utrecht in general as one of the busiest bike crossings or busiest bike biking lanes in the whole country actually in the world man like very few countries bike as much as a culture than the netherlands i mean you have denmark it's really only denmark because like in sweden yeah they bike but not that much in germany they bike but not that much the distance uh, distances are just bigger in sweden germany for example because it's much less densely populated so Getting around, you just need a car, public transport, I think. But here, everything is reachable within bike distance normally. It's really cool, man. As a visitor, like riding a bike around Amsterdam or Rotterdam or Utrecht is just so surreal. I mean, it's also a little bit mm -hmm. scary because you're, you're surrounded by so many crazy bikers and they go yeah. pretty fast. Some of them go pretty fast. So you got to really watch out. Um, but uh, but that's one of my favorite things about Dutch culture is, is the bicycle, um, the bicycle lifestyle. What other things do you enjoy about you've also traveled all around Europe what other mm -hmm. things do you think set the Netherlands apart in terms of culture than the other parts of Europe well I think whenever I travel one thing that stands out is how well organized it is just like Germany it's really known to be very strict really be on time follow the rules it's all very well organized which can be annoying at times because kind of lacks the freedom as well whereas when you're traveling in eastern europe i feel like everything is just a bit oh you can kind of do whatever you want it's not that big of a deal and in netherlands just everywhere there's oh this rule this rule this rule this rule there's just rules everywhere and that can be a negative but also a very positive thing in how well developed everything is how smooth everything works the public transport for example so that's always a good place to come home after traveling i think because everything is just well organized we have rules here in the u.s but people are obsessed with their freedom of speech and they'll just do whatever they mm -hmm. want and not follow them but not only that is we're just not as punctual actually i yeah. think americans in general are pretty punctual but the moment mm -hmm. you go to the netherlands or germany and it's just like the train if it leaves at 729 it leaves at 729 yeah literally well when my bus is supposed to be there at 729 and it doesn't arrive at the exact same minute. I'm literally looking around like, oh, what's going on? There must be something up with the bus. There's some delay. It's really a thing. It's a great thing. I'm punctual. If I'm going to meet someone for lunch at 7, I want to meet them there at 7, not 7.30. So I appreciate yeah. that about Dutch culture. I also find 
Dutch people to be very blunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They just say it how it is. Yeah, they, they won't they won't hold back. They'll just tell you right in your face what's up. I think, yeah, it's kind of a part of the efficiency as well. It, what, from what I've heard, it comes from the old trading history because salesmen in Netherlands would ship stuff around from Amsterdam to all over Europe and all the spices, all the stuff. And so the Dutch people needed to be very direct in their trading and very efficient. And that's from what I've heard where it comes from. The Dutch people are still very direct in their manners and how they do stuff. I just think it's funny, like people you don't even know, like, or even if you know them, like if they don't like your shirt or if their shirt's ugly, they'll just like say that to your <laughs> face. Whereas in other places, like it's it could be offensive if you like call somebody out for something. Yeah, well, that's the difference between Dutch and Belgian culture that I've heard from Belgians living in Netherlands. That in Netherlands, people, especially among their friends, they'll just insult each other, make fun of each other, just kind of jokingly. And even with people that aren't really close friends yet, whereas in Belgium, the border is a bit different. So when a Belgian comes to Netherlands and he just gets insulted for fun, he'd be easily offended. And when a Dutch people, when a Dutch person goes to Belgium, he would just go around insulting people and <laughs> get a bit of an awkward situation sometimes. That's what he told, he told me at least. On the topic of Belgium, I want to dive into this town called Barley, which we visited together. In fact, yes. the longer version of this story is that you reached out to me in like February of this year, which is 10 mm-hmm. months ago, to go to, to take me to this town because I showed interest on Instagram. And then, I flew to Amsterdam and you were going to meet me, but then you tested positive for COVID. Yeah, literally the evening before, it was such a bummer for me as well. Oh, I was really looking forward to showing you around and then... That was really unfortunate at that time, but I'm sure things were pretty closed because of the pandemic and also it was cold. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, I, I was able to come back this summer and we reconnected and we visited this absolutely fascinating town called Barley. It's called Barley Nassau and Barley Hertog. Yes, exactly. Which is basically the Dutch and the French. No, it's not French. It's the Dutch Belgium. names of both towns. You know what? I'm going to stop talking and I want you to <laughs> describe to me what is Barley. Okay, so Barley Nassau and Barley Hertog is it's an enclave within the Netherlands that's Belgian. And within the enclave, there's Dutch enclaves and Belgian enclaves and just a whole mess on a map. It looked like someone spilled their coffee on a map or something. <laughs> and it's got this whole historical medieval history behind it that I won't bore you with again. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. We're, we're on a podcast and we have time. Go, how did okay. it come to be? If I remember correctly, it's because um, some duke used to own this land and then he made an arrangement with another duke to recognize his land. And in return, he got some plots of land around the Barla region but some plots were already occupied by farmers by other dukes or whatever so we just got some random spots of land around this region and then that developed on to become the borderline between the Netherlands and Belgium really so Barla Nassau um, is Nassau comes from the is a Dutch thing and Hertog is means duke so that's why it kind of splits there with Barla duke so that was the part that was owned by the Duke and Nassau was the Dutch part. So that's, in a nutshell, <laughs> the history. So an exclave, for those who don't know, is a portion of land that is completely surrounded in all areas by a different country. By another Almost country. like how yeah. an island is surrounded by water. So mm-hmm. that water would be a different country. So Lesotho is an example of an exclave within South Africa. The Vatican is an exclave in Italy. San Marino is as well. 
I guess Monaco is not because it also has water access, which is not mm -hmm. owned by yeah. anyone. Right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking out yeah, loud. You're a geography so. guy like me, so I think about these things. <laughs> um, and then you have Barley. So you have, so think about Southern Netherlands, not on the border of Belgium. It's actually properly in the Netherlands. And then you have all these pockets of Belgium. So you basically, you'll be like walking from one street to the next. And there's a little sign on the floor that says you've just entered Belgium. And then within those Belgian pockets is more Dutch land but like they're really small it's like you can walk from one end to the other in like 30 seconds maybe mm -hmm. or less yeah definitely yeah it's crazy like the one road that we went to just before we headed back if you just walk on that road you can cross the border like three four times within a few minutes it's really insane the most fascinating thing is that like they're two different countries so you have two different sets of laws I was going to say two different languages, but really they all speak Dutch or Flemish, but it's the same language. In Belgium schools, they're taught French, whereas in Dutch schools, you're not, right? Well, we are taught French, actually, but I think the level of French is generally higher in Belgian schools. But from what we've, we've learned there is that um, they've got an elementary school that they share, but after they have to decide which high, high school they go to. So either a one in Belgium or Netherlands. So that's kind of where they split their accents up. Some have a more Dutch accent and some have a more Belgian accent, even though they live in the same region, because there's just no high schools in the town. But for the eight, for the um, for the legal differences, the drinking age is quite a diff quite an interesting part of it, because in Netherlands the drinking age is 18 and in Belgium it's 16. So whenever you go to a bar, you just have to cross the street to be legal drinking, <laughs> and on the other side of the street you can be illegally drinking. So it's a really weird situation to be in. It's so weird, man, and. The fact that you have like front doors of houses that are split between Belgium and Netherlands, I guess the way that they decide where you pay taxes is wherever your front door is. That's kind of the, mm -hmm. the decision point. Yeah. So people would actually move their door on the other side of the house to mm -hmm. pay lower taxes. Yeah, it's, it's a very weird situation. They can just decide when, when the door is on the borderline, they can decide themselves which country they want to pay taxes to. You could be sleeping in the same in the same house as someone in different beds and you're sleeping in different countries. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. As a traveler and as a geography whiz, whiz and I don't know, I'm just like, there's no other place in the world like that. And there's not even a place that's close to being like that. Can you mm -hmm. think of any other place that you've heard about that is that is a similar situation? I can't. Not really. Not with that many people. Looking borders. at the map right now. I don't no. see any not like usually either. if it's like Vatican, but you just enter like one place and then you exit. Yeah, yeah. Know? Like it's just so interesting. Yeah, there, there is some funny enclaves, but this one is just really unique because it's that many small plots of land, I guess. <laughs> but the cool thing about Barley is that the people do seem to be um, accepting of each other and yeah. they all live together and there's a very much a community feel in Barley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no rivalry or anything. No, the, the, the cheese, whether it's Belgium cheese or Dutch cheese, it's good cheese. <laughs> and yeah, it's sold in the, the same you store. Know, the beer is delicious in both countries. The fries, the bitter ballen, actually that, that's Dutch, <laughs> that's not Belgium, right? Bitter yeah, ballen. it is, but still delicious. And yeah, that's um, a good mix of Belgium and Netherlands, I think, comes together there. You can have the Belgian beer with the Bitterballen. But I think the whole region, the southern um, province of Brabant, the one that I live in and that you've been to now on this trip, it's almost seen as a buffer zone between Belgium and Netherlands sometimes because we kind of have some Belgium 
things to us like our dialects a bit different our accent is different our g's are soft like in the flemish um dialect and yeah kind of the more laid-back atmosphere as well it's what it's known for brabant's known to be really bourgondies is the words like enjoying good food enjoying good times enjoying gezelligheid another dutch word for the good atmosphere i want to talk more about dutch culture in the sense of first of all the education system i don't know what you guys are doing but it's working <laughs> i mean all you guys are, seem to be really smart you could even go to this small countryside where you live and find people like you who are brilliant and who are just like <laughs> are highly educated so i don't know if you know the answer to this but why <laughs> Well, I don't know if people are higher educated than in other countries, but I can explain how the school system works, I guess, which I think has its, has its flaws as well. Because at age 12, you finish elementary school at age 12, then you have to take a test, and that kind of decides which high school level you're allowed to go into. So when you have a high score at the test when you're 12, you can go to the highest high school level, which takes six years. And when you just have a bad day, you go to the lowest one, which takes four years. You can kind of switch around by getting either really good grades or dropping down or you can still work your way up or down but you kind of get separated quite early on in an early age as well and then from there on i guess only on the highest high school level you can go to university so going to university is quite a prestigious thing here compared to other countries where everything would be called university every higher education mm -hmm. but i think generally Historically speaking, it's also known to have high education because of its tolerance. When there were some troubles in France, the Huguenoten, they were called, were not accepted in France and they were taken all in, into Netherlands, every belief, every religion, everyone was taken into the country. And so a lot of high educated people got into the country and kind of had its boom there in the golden age then back then. So that's a historical answer there. <laughs> and you guys are all taught English from a young age. In elementary school at least like seven eight now they've started even earlier they'll start at age five six i believe so it's really becoming a second language that's really commonly used as well even for dutch speakers among each other i've seen friends of mine who are both dutch just have full-on conversations in english because somehow they feel like it's a better way to express themselves or something you'd see that a lot now a lot of code switching you seem to be as comfortable and as good at English than you are at Dutch, or am I wrong? Yeah, almost. Well, even in Dutch, I'm still a bit more comfortable, obviously, but I feel like I'm quite confident in speaking English, and quite, I feel like everyone is. But yeah, maybe it has to do with the, my education. I'm following a study that's almost all in English now, but I feel like the general level of English is the highest in the entire world for a non-native country. It's high up the list together with all the Scandinavian countries and stuff. Aside, like aside from Norway and Sweden and Iceland and Denmark, I would say, well, the Netherlands is above all them. But I'm saying aside mm -hmm. from those countries, there's really yeah. nobody even close that's a non-native English speaking country. You could argue Philippines or Singapore or Hong Kong, but the moment you kind of get out. Yeah, but these are kind of native, I guess. Yeah, but like go to the countryside and, and you won't find so mm. many or older yeah, generation. Older generation mm. won't speak. Um, I guess like Namibia, but I think that is a native English speaking country. Uh, I don't know mm. if it's native, but they speak really good English. Yeah, well, at least they have some colonial pasts. And um, the same with Hong Kong. I think Hong Kong teaches English in a lot of schools, like as a first language as well. English is the official language of Namibia. And there's also a couple other mm. oh. Afrikaans and stuff, which is touch. And it it um, used to be a German colony, actually. It used to Namibia. be a German colony. Yep, yep, yep. So 
you told me something interesting about Dutch words in the English language. Can you can you share those again? Well, especially in uh, American English, there's a lot of um, Dutch words. I'll just see if I can find them now. For example, um, the word boss comes from uh, the Dutch baas. Um, the word for cookie comes from the Dutch koekje. As, but as well in um, place names, especially in around New York, for example, you've got Harlem comes from Harlem, Brooklyn comes from Brooklyn, Rhode Island from Rhode Island. Rhode means red, and the soil was a bit red, so they, they called it Red Island, basically. So all this stuff comes into American English mainly. It's not really British English, I believe. And as well, um, iceberg, which means a uh, ice mountain, kind of. So like an iceberg in the sea or iceberg letters as well the, just some examples i think there's plenty of them to see how big the influence was actually i can't believe that brooklyn is actually a place in the netherlands i'm looking at it right now because i was just in brooklyn it's called brooklyn it's, it's it's spelled different but it's the same yeah there's not much there actually harlem is like a suburb of amsterdam it's not really a suburb it's really a different city but it's very close to amsterdam and culturally i think it has a lot of um, similarities. Harlem is a quite nice, quite a nice place actually. Also not a recommendation not a, for people in Amsterdam. It's not a great place in New York, Harlem. What's it like? It's not a great place. It can be a little dangerous. Yeah, is it? Oh shit. Uh, it's, just, it's more of like a neighborhood, um, but it's not really a sought out place that tourists would go to. It's more, it's just north of Central Park and it can be a little bit uh a little bit mm -hmm. dangerous up there. But, you know, I heard that there's some trendy places to eat and go out, you know, nightlife and stuff. I just haven't really been up there very much. I think Netherlands is really safe, generally. I've never really felt unsafe. Maybe in some suburbs of Rotterdam or Amsterdam that you wouldn't be there at night. But other than that, I would be anywhere in the country at any time of day and it would feel completely safe. Have you experienced the same? Bro, it's like the safest. It's the safest <laughs> of safe. Yeah, definitely. How does it compare so, um, to like South Korea, for example, in safety? Uh, Korea's Korea's safer. Uh, yeah. I would say Japan, Korea, Taiwan are mm -hmm. the safest countries in the world. Singapore, hmm. yeah, most of Asia's safe, super safe. Thailand, it's all really safe. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean Scandinavia and Western Europe is pretty safe. Nowhere, in, I mean Canada is pretty safe. But I mean the Middle East is safe. Like Emirates is really safe. Qatar is safe. There's so many misconceptions. How does it feel to be Dutch when you travel and you represent Dutch culture? Do you feel proud? Yeah, definitely. You do feel proud. Normally, Dutch people tend to mock their country a lot and complain about their country. And within the Netherlands, they would also be, oh, Netherlands sucks. This is wrong with it. They'll always be complaining. But whenever they go abroad, they'll protect everything that's Dutch. Like even points that are not really not even behind like prostitution drug use they just protect th their country at all costs for some reason but i feel like the dutch proudness is not really a thing as in other for example southern european countries i've seen a map that's um that gave the percentage of people that would fight for the country when a war broke out the netherlands was the lowest in the whole of europe so dutch <laughs> people i guess they're proud to be dutch but they wouldn't they wouldn't really die for the country or it's not really a big nationalistic thing they would still benefit being dutch and loving to live there but there's not really a strong national nationalistic feeling unless the national team plays which they're doing now and they're winning an interesting thing about like nationalism and and um like history and stuff 
and cultural identity is you guys seem to know a lot about what happened in the past in the Netherlands mm -hmm. in terms of World War II, World War One, before World War One, and in the U.S., like we learn a lot about where we're from. Like I had a class about Arizona for whatever mm. reason, it they thought it was really important that I knew the history of Arizona. And this is in like third grade. But like, mm. I didn't learn that much about the Civil War. And I still don't know that much about the Civil War, which happened in the 1860s in the US. And World War II, I guess maybe because there wasn't that much combat that was on the US soil. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. mostly like American troops in Germany, in Netherlands. And even like the war, all, even all the wars, like Afghanistan, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like far removed because it's on the other side of the world. But I guess maybe, maybe I'm answering the question, but the reason why you guys are so familiar is because it happened like, like that church that you took me to was half bombed in your backyard or in the nearby town. So is it really important that all you guys just know about history and what happened or? I, think, I feel like there's some things lacking in history classes about the things that we did wrong, for example, in the colonial past mm -hmm. in Indonesia and Suriname that stuff that we barely talk about and should be talked about more but second world war is something that gets talked about a lot every chapter in history class it will be mentioned we'll know everything about it every movie every book there's just so much information because it's still so active and so relevant i think well even though it's like 80 years ago it can still really affect people for example my grandmother's father died in the war and how that still affected her life and that affected my mother's life and so it kind of lives in a generational pain that you hear a lot now. I think that term like pain that passes on through generations. But you can still see the effects definitely in the church even in Geert which got bombed and you can still see definitely the effects and the attitude towards Germans as well. People would still feel some kind of despise against Germans I think. A lot of them it's getting better now among the young people but older people will definitely have some negative attitude towards Germans often. So it's definitely a big topic here. What time is it for you? It's late. It's almost 11 at night. Where are you you're back in Arizona now? How were the weddings actually? They looked it was fun good, yeah. I had ago. some weddings in New York. It was nice. You know, New York is so incredibly diverse and it's cool. After going to every country, it's cool to like go to a place like New York and like mm -hmm. go to these communities of these pockets of like Tibetan people, Nepali people, Pakistani mm -hmm. people. It's just a cool place. Like I would never live there in a million years, but visiting is so great, uh, New York City. So that was fun. Now I'm back home in Arizona and just uh, getting ready to go to Qatar tomorrow and then South Sudan. Oh, wow. Awesome. South Sudan, yeah. yeah. So speaking of South Sudan, those are actually the tallest people in the world. But if you Google, if you Google the tallest country, it comes up as Latvia and Netherlands, both. Yeah. Yes, I think South Sudan is just one specific tribe that's very tall, but maybe on average it's probably not as tall as Netherlands or Netherlands and um, Serbia as well is very tall, I believe. Yeah, but I disagree. Like the tribe, the tribe in in the South Sudan is like sixty percent of the population, and they are giants, man. They're super tall. And it's interesting because the next country over, which is Central African Republic, they have the shortest people in the world, which is the Pygmy tribe. Um, and they live, they're like neighboring countries. It, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, Dutch, Dutch people are tall. Like six, if you're six foot tall, what is that in meters? If you are 1.8 meters, you're not even that tall. Whereas here, what like six feet is like. Yeah, here for me, that would be 
well not not really small but it would definitely be smaller than i am i'm 190 so i don't know how much that is in feet but so you are six foot three and which is like you're six two and a half which is like mm. very tall yeah and here it's <laughs> quite average <laughs> you'll see like, a lot of dutch people being taller than me have you do, you do you have any friends that are two meters tall um i think one is 960 uh, 96 I believe so it's almost two meters another friend who lives in Sweden is almost two meters and yeah a lot of friends actually are just very tall I am 1.7 meters yeah that's, that's so small <laughs> did you feel small when you walked around the streets here in Utrecht I definitely felt small I'm just a short Jew <laughs> um cool man so anything else you want to say about Netherlands um to people like if people were going to visit the netherlands for one week what where would you tell them to go my main advice would just get out of amsterdam <laughs> as soon as possible it's it's fun for a day but if you want to see netherlands don't stay in amsterdam go to utrecht maybe if you have time even go to maastricht in the very south if you want to see a vibrant youthful city go to groningen in the north go to breda for the brabants gezelligheid the, the beers the atmosphere in the south just there's so much more to see than just Amsterdam in terms of culture and in terms of just the whole experience. That would be the main thing. And try Dutch fries with bitterballen and croquettes. And a lot of mayo. Yes, definitely. Oh, do you remember the fries place we went to? There was such a weird experience with the party going on. There was a Guinean party, Guinea from West Africa. <laughs> yeah. And there was like 200 of them. And they were all wearing yeah, like huge. traditional outfits, like straight out of Guinea. So it was really <laughs> interesting to to see them. That was that was a cool experience. Yeah, and they were so stoked to see you. <laughs> oh, another point. Holland is the Netherlands, but the Netherlands is not Holland. This is really yes. important because a lot of tourists, Americans, mm -hmm. will just call it Holland. And I did this too until I realized that Holland is a province which includes Amsterdam. It's two provinces actually. It's North Holland and South Holland. And North Holland is Amsterdam and South Holland is The Hague and Rotterdam, for example. So it's two provinces that were just close to to England. It's not even like the majority of the country, Holland. Yeah, nah. Maybe population wise it's quite big because of the big cities, but it's definitely not not the only thing there is. <laughs> exactly. So So make sure to say the Netherlands and not Holland. Yes, the Netherlands. The Netherlands and um yeah, I just said uh, dreaming about coming back there. I know it'll be soon and we'll have to explore. We'll have to find some other really crazy stories in, in the Netherlands. I'm sure that they exist. Urk, the, the crazy island Urk will be next. Uh, yeah, it used to be an island and now it's part of the mainland. It's where all the crazy religious people live and it's a very closed off community. Very interesting. What do you mean? Like what kind of religion? Just Christians, but they're the strictest Christians in the whole country. Like they have the highest percentage percentage of people going to church they've got the biggest families they've got the highest percentage of young people and they barely really go out of their village or marry out of out of their village they have their own dialect that's really distinct and really different to any other dialect in the country and it's just a very unique place i'm looking at pictures they're all they look like amish people yeah almost yeah you could compare it to amish people almost would they wear the women wear this like thing over their head yeah that's a traditional um clothing that they wear when i went there for my research in um there was during so it was like their special day and they were all dressed up in their 
costumes and it was such a cool experience this is so interesting these pictures man so next time you're in europe or netherlands i'll take you there cool man well go get yourself some sleep it's been a really great chat thank you brown for your time and um wish you all the best and we'll be in touch yeah definitely thanks for having me and uh, have a nice day <laughs> appreciate you bro Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.